Welcome. I'm Dr. Liz, an entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, mom, and wife. This podcast is about hypnosis, but also about all kinds of ways to help you live your fullest life, to heal, transform, to play the long game and go after the joy. You can see more about me at drlizhypnosis.com. Hop over there to get a free hypnosis file to decrease fear and anxiety or one to increase emotional stability. They're there just for you. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I do. Peace. Hi everyone, Dr. Liz here. Today's interview is with Lori Hammond, who runs transypants.com. You gotta love that website name, it's so cute. We come from very similar backgrounds. We both grew up very religious and then left religion, quote unquote, and moved towards a sense of spirituality. So we have that in common, as well as a history of depression that would just come and go throughout our lives until we found hypnosis as a solution. So that's also something we share in common, her through a training and work that she did, and myself through core healing, which then I became trained in and offer in my practice as well. We talk about both of those topics, as well as how then she began to develop her hypnosis groups. I think this is the first person I've had on the podcast, actually, that offers a hypnosis group, which is weekly in her case. And she has tons of like free bonuses that go with that when you join the group. It really sounds incredible. In fact, after the interview, I talked to her about not just joining the group myself, but also having my daughter, who's about to graduate from college, join the group as a resource for her. She has some big transitions coming up. I hope that you are healthy and happy and safe wherever you are. And let's jump into the interview with Lori Hammond of transypants.com. Peace. Hi, Lori. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I've been really looking forward to this. Yes. Well, I love your website. So let me just start there. Um, Trancypants.com, <laughs> which tells yeah. me you probably have a good sense of humor. You <laughs> named your website that, your domain name at least. Um, before we jump into your website, though, and all the offerings that you have, I really want to get a good idea of how you originally got into hypnosis. I did see on your uh, some of your background that it says that you dealt with really severe depression and that hypnosis helped solve it for you. But was that your first experience with hypnosis or was there some experience before? Yeah, so that was my first experience with hypnosis. I got into hypnosis about six years ago. And prior to that, I was raised in a very strictly religious, kind of crazy religious environment. I don't think all religious environments are crazy, but mine was. Uh-huh. And I was I was taught that if I engaged in hypnosis, I would go straight to hell. Ah, so it. it was really scary for me. A lot of the religions, I mean, are, are really anti-hypnosis. I'm not even sure where that came about from. Yeah. Well, and now that I understand hypnosis and what hypnosis is, it doesn't make any sense. But I think there's a fear. People see like the stage shows where some people up there are super engaged and they're getting the transformation and there's there's things happening. You can tell that it's real. Mm-hmm. Um 
And then sometimes people will say hypnosis is fake because there's people who are up there who aren't having that experience and that you can tell they're faking it. So um, for me, I started exploring hypnosis because two reasons. Number one, I had dealt with debilitating depression my whole life. Mm -hmm. And number two, I had um, dealt with weight issues my whole life. Mm. And I had heard that hypnosis can help with weight loss. For so sure. I went to see a couple hypnotists. It it did not go well for me. <laughs> I didn't click <laughs> with those hypnotists. Okay. What did you not like about them? Um, One lady, she did hypnosis in her home. And when I walked into her home, it was all decorated in pink and mauve. Uh-huh. And it reminded me of just of the eighties of being, <laughs> which was a really stressful time period for me mm-hmm. um, growing up. And it just felt like so much uh, my family home. And she kind of reminded me of my mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was a really nice lady, but she did um, timeline therapy with me. And she okay. kept telling me to visualize, to see this, to see that. And I, I don't generally do that with people. I tell people to imagine mm-hmm. so they can use any of their senses I don't tend to be a super visual person. So I just thought, oh, I, I'm not good at this. This isn't for me. I can't do this. Uh, uh And I decided to go ahead and just learn hypnosis for myself. I had been listening Mm. to Dr. Mike Mandel's podcast yeah, and I thought this guy knows what he's doing. I'm going to go train with him. So I went to Mm. Toronto and trained with him and the rest is history. It was such a life-changing week for me being up there Mm -hmm. um, that I I thought that this is what I want to do with my life. This is what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. I, I know quite a bit about his programs and um, he has a a really good reputation for training. I thought about going up there and I had just listened to the podcast, but then I watched a video and he's like a dead ringer for one of my (laughs) ex-boyfriends. Oh, yeah, that's similar to the reaction you had with the first in the therapist. I was like, no way. There's no way I'm sitting in a room for like a week with this guy. I get that. (laughs) Yeah. And I have a mentor who says, like, you need to tell people when we're doing uh, a deeper technique. So sometimes people come in for more. Uh, habit change type of things, weight loss, this type of thing. But when you're doing regression, like a deeper type of session where you're doing core healing, then you do need to ask them like, look, it's okay if after meeting me, you're not ready to continue. And that may be because I remind you of somebody or (laughs) there's some instinct going on or whatever it is. The reason doesn't really matter. Your instincts matter. And so it's really interesting to hear you say that. Like, yeah, something about it wasn't a good fit for you. Yes. I think one of the most important parts of a hypnosis session is having that rapport with yes. the the facilitator. And if you don't know, like, and trust them, it's not going to go the way you want it to go. Agreed. Agreed. So then how did you make that leap though, from like the religion to, I'm going to go ahead and give it a try? Yeah. So I had already been kind of questioning religion for a few years prior, just, just, mm-hmm. and not, not religion in general, but the deeply, um, kind of crazy religion that I was in, I was, I was starting to question, is this really right? Mm -hmm. Is this how I want to live my life? There was a lot of guilt and condemnation involved Mm -hmm. in the religion I grew up in. And so I had been slowly backing away and that my decision to go and study hypnosis was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. 
And when I realized this thing that I had been taught to be so afraid of is such a healing, beautiful uh, modality. Mm -hmm. I, I, I personally, I don't say this publicly very often, but I did walk away from religion. Mm -hmm. And I consider myself to be more spiritual now. Yes. Yes. I grew up in an extremely religious household. My dad was a minister. And then later after he died, my mother became a minister. And so I, I get it. I get what that's like. And they were Methodist. They weren't Methodists are not really like a a very culty kind of condemning. In fact, the way I grew up was pretty accepting of most people and all kinds of lifestyles actually, but it's still religion. And so I understand that, um, that feeling of break for it. I mean, I, I was atheist for about 20 years and then eventually found a a deeper sense of spirituality that fits for me, that fits well for me. But, um, but it is hard sometimes to, to really break away from that. Yeah, it is. And I know religion is such a key part of many people's lives and I never want to disparage it or, or, you know, to talk bad about it. But for me personally, it was a very oppressive, um, it contributed a lot to my depression, to be honest, mm-hmm. and walking away from it and finding a more spiritual, holistic, where there are certain aspects of that religion, um, connecting with a higher power that I, that I resonate with, yes. but there are certain aspects of that religion that I don't resonate with anymore. Got so. it. Got it. So then yeah. once you got training, is that when... Uh, you begin to work with yourself with the depression or someone worked with you? Like what happened? So a lot of it was just understanding that I have control over my moods. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still, to this day, especially like in the winter time, I'll still struggle with depression a little bit. Like I can feel my body trying to go there. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been dealing with some health problems that we may or may not get into later that have, have caused some depression for me. Mm-hmm. And it's realizing I don't have to stay stuck in it. And there is something chemical going on. And I certainly applaud people who um, seek medical um, expertise for their depression mm-hmm. and have had luck with medications. I had tried all of that. I had tried lots of different medications and just didn't have any luck. And when I found hypnosis, it, more than anything, it taught me that I am in charge of my own emotions, mm-hmm. that I can step out of it. It's not always easy. (laughs) And the biggest thing that has helped me is the most simple thing. I call it the three B's and it's just changing the body language, the breathing and the belief, which is what you're saying to yourself, the self-talk, but B works better. And when I, (laughs) when I change the way I'm breathing, the way I'm holding my body, it allows me to then start to think, okay, maybe this is going to be okay. Maybe the doom and gloom scenario that's going through my head isn't what's really going to happen. And it allows me to step out of it. So it's just been such a liberating thing for me to realize I don't have to stay stuck in it Mm -hmm. that I, I decided I wanted to share this with as many people as possible. I love it. I love it. I had a similar experience with hypnosis. I mean, I became trained in 2014, but then in um, let's see, when was it? I think it was 2019. No, no, sorry. 2018. I went for a very, what's called core healing, a, a deeper hypnosis technique that actually looks at beliefs and changing the beliefs going on. So I had struggled with periodic depression pretty much my whole life. I would say not my whole life, actually not in my teens. Um, after I would say my first severe depression hit after my dad died when I was 18. 
And it really was beyond grief. It was a, a suicidal kind of depression. And then had periodically struggled with it until I did this deeper technique where we did look at beliefs and changing beliefs around um, depression and uh, what's the belief going on around it, all of this. And I have not had an episode since then. And we're in 2023. And I used to have them, you know, every couple of years they would hit me. It's still to this day feels life-changing. And then I, I train in that technique as well. But I do have a similar experience of sometimes a little twinge of it will come or a little sign or signal of it. And it's like, I know I have to get into action when that happens. So you're saying change the body posture, change the breathing, change the beliefs, the self-talk that's going on. Yes, absolutely. And I have, um, I call it my depression prevention plan, which then helps me uh, move out of that, even the little twinge of it. Like, let's catch it now. It's not going to go deeper. And I'm worth doing all this work for. Like yes. that's the deeper That belief. is so awesome. Yeah. And it makes such a huge difference when you're able to overcome something that's been so debilitating in your life in the past. Yes, absolutely. And I'm not anti-drug either. Myself, I have not used antidepressants. I always said, oh, the next time I'll, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> I just never do, <laughs> but now uh-huh. there's no next time. I really, I really believe that, but they have been um, truly helpful for my kids. But sometimes people get on the, what I call the medication carousel, where they keep trying to find the one that'll work. So they keep changing, like maybe one works for a little while and then it stops working. Then they try another, they have bad side effects or that one. And then they try this one and it's really difficult to get off that medication carousel. It sounds like that's, that's similar to what happened to you. Yes. And it was so discouraging because I didn't really experience um, relief with any of the medications that I tried. And so Mm. I felt like something was wrong with me or something was wrong Mm. with the medication and it was the side effects were debilitating. So it was Mm -hmm. really difficult um, going the medication route, but I was so desperate for help. I was willing to try just about anything and I'm just, I'm incredibly grateful that I found a solution that is outside of medication. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about what kind of hypnosis you do. Yes. Yeah, so I, I don't do like stage. I don't do really fun hypnosis, even though my website is trancy pants, kind of silly. <laughs> yeah. um, I mostly just do hypnosis to help people understand that they are in charge of their life. They are in charge of the way they show up in the world. And I mean that in the most compassionate way. I don't mean that in a, in an oppressive way, (laughs) as Mm -hmm. I'm saying it, I'm realizing it could come across that way. And I did hypnosis um, one-on-one for several years. And at the same time I was doing group hypnosis, just to kind of experiment and see how group hypnosis worked. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of doing group hypnosis because before I was a hypnotist, I was a hairstylist and I kept on, I was, this is why you have such beautiful hair. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I know the viewers can't see it, but it's like, yes, it is. It's for being a hairstylist. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so as a hairstylist, I would want to like go on vacation or something. And I couldn't, because if I, if I'm not behind the chair, I'm not making money. And so I started thinking, how can I make a good living without being behind the chair? 
and essentially without trading dollars for hours. So like I have to be in a session with someone for 60 minutes to make money. And I just started thinking, what if group hypnosis could work? Mm-hmm. And more important, like to me, the money is awesome. I make a great living, but mm-hmm. it's so much more important to me that I know that I'm actually helping people. And when I have people send me little testimonials and say, oh my gosh, that session changed my life. That is worth so much more than money to me. Yes. So I started experimenting more with the group sessions and I um, started a group called Trancy Tuesdays where we meet every Tuesday and there's usually about 40, 50 people on there who are just experiencing hypnosis and the testimonials I get are amazing. But it, what changed for me is I read a book called The Power of Eight okay. and it talks about the scientific proof that like the scientific studies that this woman did to prove that groups are so powerful and reading that book, I thought, okay, I'm done. I'm not doing any more one-on-ones. I really? close the door on one-on-ones and I just do group sessions now mm. because my experience is that in my experience, they are, they can be even more powerful than one-on-one sessions. And again, yeah. I think that there's a time and a place for one-on-ones. I think that one-on-one sessions can be incredibly valuable, mm-hmm. but I personally prefer the groups and that. So that's where I um, put my attention. Got it. Got it. So tell me what the group is like. Like, do you guys check in first? Do you? Yeah. So it's a one hour experience. I open the doors 15 minutes before. And so people start coming in and we usually chit chat and I start right on time. I'm like a stickler for starting on time. I love it. I, I yeah. even like group stuff starts late. It's like, no. So, and yeah. the host is like, well, we're going to wait a couple more minutes. I'm like, no, let's just start. So I, I, yeah. I appreciate that. And my people know that I'm not going to wait for them. So they show up on time. Sometimes they're, they're stragglers that come in late and that's yeah. okay. Um, but we start with an icebreaker. And this is what I learned from the power of eight. It's based on the meditation in the power of eight where I have everyone kind of breathe together and imagine a light in their heart and sending that light from their heart to one other person who's there on the call. Mm. And then I'll say, now imagine that everybody on the call and I'll, I'll often tell them, okay, there's, there's 43 people on the call right now. I want you to imagine that all 42 other people are standing around you, holding hands, sending light to your heart and feel that light. And then we'll send the light. I'll have them um, just put in the chat. And I'll I'll tell you why I do this in a minute, but I have them put in the chat, the first name of anyone in their life who's struggling Mm -hmm. and send light from our heart to that person. Mm. And I do that because in the book, the power of eight, I felt like it was irresponsible of me to have this group of healers. Most of the people in my group are also hypnotists Mm -hmm. to have this group of open-hearted healers there who weren't actually sharing that gift. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll have people do that. And to me, it's like a form of prayer. Um, and I don't say prayer anymore because it, it turns some people off. It freaks some people out, but it is, it's just like, oh, I see you. I see that you're hurting. I want to send you some love. I want to send you some, some resources. And so we imagine sending resources to everyone as we read the names on the list. And it's just a beautiful to start the session. It sounds very similar to compassionate meditation, like where you're sending that energy towards someone. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it is similar and it just feels good. I think that we have an innate part of us that wants to help people, especially us empaths. Mm-hmm. Um, we we want to help people and it feels like really helping and, and knowing that this book shows that it truly does make a difference for people um, is profound to me. 
So then after that's over, I go into a little time of teaching on whatever the topic is. And then we do a hypnosis session because these, you know, these hypnotists love to be on the receiving end of hypnosis and actually get to experience hypnosis instead of always being the one hypnotizing someone. And scripts are a controversial thing. (laughs) They are. Yeah. I give people the script um, and I intentionally make scripts so I can't give it to them. And what the reason is, I've discovered that if they know that they can go back and read the script later, that they just relax and let go and actually go into that experience more deeply than if they if they're trying to like pay attention to everything that's going on. Particularly for hypnotists. Yes. Yeah. Because we are always like assessing. I'll speak for yes. myself. I am always assessing and like remembering like, oh, that's a good bit. And oh, I got it. Gotta remember to remember that. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. So I love it. Yeah, yes. that's great. And absolutely. If I knew I was getting the script, I would be able to relax much more deeply. Yes. Yeah. 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 And most of my audience is actually lay people. It's not hypnotherapists or hypnotists, although there is a percentage that is. And the controversy is that um there is a segment in I would say hypnosis training where the people really don't believe you use scripts that you really work out of intuition and that type of thing. I personally am a fan of scripts for a couple of reasons. One is I want to make sure that I get all the good stuff that's going to go in. And even with the script, I sometimes think, um, oh, I should have put this in or I should have put that in afterwards because I I often use a script as like the bones, I say, of a, a hypnosis session. And then it's customized for whoever's in front of me because I do do one-on-ones. So I am modifying it on the fly, <laughs> customizing yeah. it for the person, which we talk about beforehand or sometimes intuition will come into that. But I want the bones there so I don't forget anything important. Yes. And I, I think most people who don't like scripts, their argument is that you're looking at the script instead of looking at the client. And mm. there are ways to make sure that you're still seeing the client as you're reading the script. I'm sure you do that. And it's, oh, yeah. it kind of just rules that entire thing out. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I can't imagine not seeing the client. Like, I don't even know what that would look like. You're just never looking up from a script. Like people don't even read that way, really. Like I don't even read that way. I don't even read fiction that way. Like much less some work I'm doing with someone. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's what I've heard. Most most naysayers. That's that's what they talk about. You're not calibrating. You're not watching the client. So well, I think Mike Mendel's training, the training that you did, he he has a big segment on like no script use, correct? Yep, you are okay. correct. He is he is anti-script and I I love that man with all my heart and mm-hmm. I don't like I think he's right, but at the same time I do think that there's a place for scripts. But and his reason for not reading scripts is because he's seen so many people um he he gives an example of a hypnotist that he saw on stage that was reading a script and wasn't even looking to realize that this person was already deep in hypnosis and he kept doing deepeners and uh, just yeah. all this unnecessary stuff. Got it. Um, when I do mine, I actually have my script right on my screen, right on my computer mm-hmm. screen over to the side. And then I have all the Zoom participants over on this side. So I'm going back and forth the whole time and yeah. calibrating and, and paying attention. So it makes a real difference. Yeah. And I would say with a lot of people in a group, you're going to have people at varying levels. So not everyone's going down the same way anyway, into yeah. trance. And to I, 
I do in person and I do online. So I, I work all over the US and the world online. And it is sometimes harder to see if someone's in a trance online. Yeah. When I get to know them some, then I learn more of their cues. But sometimes it is difficult yes. to see. Yeah. And sometimes in the group sessions, there's one person who's like getting up and going to the fridge to get us, you know, to get a sandwich while everybody else on the call is just completely um, in the zone. And so it's, it's always interesting. I always find one person to watch and I make sure like, as I'm looking at the whole group, whatever the, the group is doing, I look back at this one person and it's like, if they're still in that trance, then I know we're good. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. Yeah. I was on a group call. I don't remember what it was for. It was some kind of, um, oh, I do now. It was actually a yoga and meditation program for chronic headaches. Mm. So I have been diagnosed before with new daily persistent headache, which is a headache. It's not a migraine. It's a headache that just never goes away. So I was doing this program for it. And um, in the beginning, she had said like, oh, if you need to eat or do something, just turn your camera off. But then that shifted during <laughs> during something she was doing. And I, I was having a snack or something. I turned my camera off she, and she goes, oh no, Elizabeth, like, turn the camera on. I'm sure I'm like, you sure you want to see me eat here? <laughs> like, I find it really distracting sometimes as a leader oh. leading groups, <laughs> but okay. So yeah, it is funny to see like everything that people do on meetings. Yes, it is. Yeah. And then to, you know, keep your focus and your concentration, like part of the responsibility of the group leader. Yeah. So then the hypnosis you're doing, it runs what, like around 20, 30 minutes every week? Right around there. Yes. And I, what I found is the participants, um, I'm a feedback person. I love to like get feedback about how things are going. So I'll ask them. And mm -hmm. most of the participants prefer longer sessions, longer hypnosis sessions. So oh, they really like to be able to relax. So I aim to make most of my sessions 30 minutes. That's actually really hard for me. <laughs> so I bet, yeah. Between 20 and 30 minutes, yeah. Okay. And then you're picking topics. Like, do you do a series of topics? Like, I'm thinking there's what, like 53 weeks in the year? You're probably not doing all 53. I'm, I would hope that you're taking a vacation in there. <laughs> I do have but. a guest host at the end of every month. Oh, you do. Okay. Yes. So you yes. do three and then a guest host is the yes. fourth. Yep. Got it. Great. Good for you. But there, are you doing a series of topics or you're coming up with like a new topic every week? Um, it really depends. Sometimes we do series where we, um, you know, like the entire month of whatever is based on this. Um, I, I recently did one where the entire month was based on a book I read. Um, it's such a weird sounding book, but it's such an awesome book when you read it. And I think it's called Psychic Development by William Hewitt, um, some, something like that. And so I did, since most of the people, all, all but one of the people on my call are hypnotists, um, I did something just to help people develop really their hypnotic skills. Because when I read it, it taught me to be a better hypnotist. And so I did awesome. that for one month. And then I've asked people what they want, um, what kind of topics they want to talk about. And so each week I will choose one of the topics that the, the people in the group have suggested and we'll do one of those topics. It's tricky for me because I don't want to do something like um, nail biting because that's so specific. And there's so mm -hmm. many people on there who don't bite their nails. But what mm -hmm. I'm learning is because I have the library available to people and they can go back and search 
that it's really valuable to have things like that in there. And the people who don't struggle with nail biting can apply the session to some other area of their life where they have a problem that they have tried to get out of and can't get out of. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that that is helpful because as a hypnotist, let's say they're working as hypnotists or hypnotherapists, then that topic will come up and they do have a script immediately that they could turn to in this library of scripts yeah. that they have or topics that they have, groups that you've run. Yeah. Yeah. One example is I just had someone ask me for a smoking cessation script and I've never done smoking cessation because most of the people uh. on my call aren't smokers. And I thought I, I have so many people reach out to me for that, that I need to have something on the back burner for them. Absolutely. I do quite a bit of smoking sensation and um, I think it's super easy. I was trying to convince one of my colleagues to train her in it. Like she got general training as a hypnotherapist, but then um, she hasn't used it a whole lot. And I'm like, no, look, like my practice fills up. Let me refer these people to you. <laughs> like it is ah. one super fun to do. I believe because you're changing someone's life completely, like so deeply moving them into help. And two, I was like, it's just not that hard. So my success rate is, I don't know, anywhere between like 85, 90%. That's and amazing. Vaping, I have a hundred percent success rate right now. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So hypnotists absolutely get quite a few calls for that. I would say in general. So it's a valuable resource to have that um, already set up for you. Like, yep, this, these are typically the scripts I use. And these are the ones I've played with ones over the years to find out what's more effective. So I like to keep an eye on that. Like, oh, this one doesn't seem to work as well. So let me use this one that seems to work a lot better. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why, but (laughs) it does. So yeah, absolutely. And stuff like habit change, people will come to you for as well. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of habit change. So you mentioned weight loss originally when we first started the interview, whatever happened with that? Yes. So I, I'm going to say right up front, I still have, don't have this one completely nailed and I don't generally talk about weight loss because it's something I'd still struggle with. Um, but what I have discovered is it's, it's kind of similar to depression in that there Mm -hmm. are ways to step out of those cravings in in Mm -hmm. just like the blink of an eye that are so much easier than anything I've tried in the past. And I have tried everything. (laughs) I've Uh tried the pills and potions and weight loss plans and coaches. And I've, I swear I've tried everything for weight loss. And the thing that works for me is again, it's, it's kind of about changing the three B's there. There are, a you know, I have an arsenal of things that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say I still struggle with it, the reason I still struggle is because I don't always choose to use these tools. When you Got choose yeah. to use them every time they do work, but um, I've been using food to cope with, with life lately. And so I'm not where I, where I would like to be, but for the most part, it's just incredible the way hypnosis gives us autonomy over ourselves and our actions and our thoughts. And it allows us to step out of cravings and overeating without mm-hmm. the angst, without feeling mm-hmm. like feeling deprived and feeling like things are going to be terrible. It actually allows you to feel good and make those choices. So it's, it's a powerful tool. That's true. Well, I appreciate your honesty with it. And I'll put myself right there beside you that when I use the tool, it's really effective. Yeah. 
And sometimes I don't use the tool so yeah. much. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, why not? I have probably like 30, 40 files recorded about weight loss. It's like <laughs> all I have to do is just push play. Yes. So when I push play, it is absolutely effective. Yeah. But it's uh, getting to play sometimes. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, you offer quite a bit of training um, when someone actually joins your monthly program. So you have a certification that they get for free. They have all these different areas. Can you talk about how you came up with that? Yeah. So the biggest thing I do, I have a, a training that shows people how to do their own group sessions. Um, that's separate from Transy Tuesdays, but a lot of the people who are in Transy Tuesdays go through that. Inside Tracy Tuesday, they get all the scripts that I use. They get access to the entire library of calls that we've done in the past so that mm-hmm. they can search and find what they're looking for. And it's so cool because I have people all the time saying, oh, I use this with my client who needed such and such. And it wasn't for such and such, but they just modified it slightly for that. And they said it was amazing to see the breakthrough that they got. So that's really encouraging. But my certification um, teaches people how to do group sessions and make an Mm -hmm. excellent living. And I specifically, my goal for them is to make a six-figure living doing group sessions. Um, And we start with with workshops. It's called Workshops That Work. And Mm -hmm. it teaches them how to do little one-off workshops, usually about once a month. If they were to do them once a month and they have 100 people join at $100 Mm -hmm. a piece, which is the the generally what I have happened when I run a workshop, um, Mm -hmm. that's six figures in a year. It's it's like above six figures in a year. It's like a (laughs) extra. Yeah. 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 And so in that course, you're teaching them how to do the marketing, like get those people and all of that good stuff, not just do the actual group. And that's the hardest part. So I teach them how to do the actual group, but that's, that's something that you can teach in just a few hours it's the marketing. It's the putting yourself out there. It's like becoming Mm -hmm. public and people are so scared of that. They're so scared to um, show up on social media, show up in a podcast like you're doing Mm -hmm. um, or these, you know, it's really scary to put ourselves out in the world. And I think we each are the center of our own universe. So we feel like everyone is watching us when Mm -hmm. really people are so relieved and I think the thing that has helped me because I was terrified too. Were you? um, is here having people come to me and say, oh my gosh, I saw this little, this short little video that you put up on social media, or I read this post, or I read this story or this email, whatever it is. And it, it changed everything for me, or it helped me realize this thing in my life. And, and that's, that makes it all worth it for me, even though I'm doing it imperfectly. Yes. Yes. Well, I think the key to social media is doing it imperfectly, actually. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've done a lot of marketing in my life for two different companies, um, a yoga business, and then my private practice. And if you're shooting for perfection, it's going to cause depression, right? (laughs) Exhaustion, depression. Yep. And stagnation, like you're not going to put anything out there. That's true too. Yes. Yeah. When I first started doing videos, I did I decided to do a video a week for a year because I was too scared to start a podcast. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I could do a podcast. Once you start doing that, like videos all the time, you get better and better and better at it to where you can do it in, let's say, one or two takes versus like five. 
takes. Yeah. <laughs> and we're talking like a three minute video here, even not even like a longer one. But once people get used to that and you do step out of perfection of, all right, I just got to get something up here. Let's set the goal that it's reasonable and that it's accurate and that it's going to help somebody. Then yes, you yeah. start to get better at doing it. And you that. have such a prolific podcast. Now I was checking out your episodes and they're amazing. I love the podcast. So after doing a year of those videos, I did start the podcast and that was back in 2017. And I really loved doing it. I had to find a rhythm that worked for me. So I did it weekly for years and then I switched to every other week and that seemed to really work better for me. Not as much pressure to, to get the topics out, but yeah, I'm up to 270 episodes. Wow. I'm going to check in at like 300 and see where I'm at. Yeah. But that's amazing. And you have such a soothing voice. Like your vo- you just have the thank you. podcast voice. Yeah. Originally, I really did the podcast to help educate people about hypnosis, but mainly to help people understand it because there are so many misconceptions about it. And what I didn't expect is all the wonderful people I would meet, how much I would learn that um, free books would be sent to me, which was like a lifelong dream. I'm a reader. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, I get to review books. Awesome. Um, How it affects how you speak. So you become a better speaker, particularly if you're doing the editing of your own podcast, because you'll start to pick up on people's speech patterns. So that will affect your own speech patterns. And all of these benefits that I never expected that I think I wouldn't have gotten if I didn't actually make the leap and say, I'm going to do this and I am going to move out of perfection. I I don't think I have a single perfect interview or episode that I've put up, (laughs) but they're all there imperfectly. (laughs) And I think that helps people relate to you because I know when I was listening to your podcast before we met this morning, I was just thinking... I I was more and more excited to meet you because you just, you come across as a real person, but you also at the same time come across as a person who knows what you're talking about. And you have this, I don't know, you, you have a great voice for podcasts. I do do some research on some of the episodes. I do want to put out accurate information. So some of that stuff is just in my head from life experience. And (laughs) some of it is based on research and um, things I've learned along the way. But thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I heard you say in one of the episodes that you read about 100 books a year. And I, I think that is so awesome. And then to know that you have people sending you books is incredible. Yes, I love when I get free books. Sometimes what'll happen is I get pitched. So once you have a podcast, you get on some publicist list, let's say, and you get pitched guests and topics all the time. And some of them are not a good fit for me. So I just say no. And some of them are. But often when someone says, hey, this is the author of such and such book, would you like to interview them? Sometimes they'll offer the book immediately, but if they don't, what I've actually learned over the years is to ask for the book because they will send it to you. But the reason I do that is sometimes the books are really bad and I don't want to interview that person. (laughs) If an author makes it on my podcast, it means the book was good. That's (laughs) awesome. In my opinion, I will say in my sole opinion. Yes. But yeah, I, I learned that after a year or two. Okay. <laughs> um, 
reading some bad books sometimes of like I someone I've already agreed to interview they send me the book and I'm like oh no like I will come up with something good here <laughs> always to find yeah. um, even someone writing a book and putting it out there I think is an act of courage yeah and perseverance in you know they went through that whole process like it is hard to write and make the time for that all of that like period even if yeah. I don't think it's a fantastic book it's someone needs to be applauded for it period so I can always find something positive to say about a book yeah but um but yeah that's sort of how that evolved that makes sense do you have a book I do not okay Mm -hmm. I don't either yet (laughs) oh well I take that back (laughs) sorry I forgot I do have a book I wrote it. It's not anything in my professional field. It's called There Goes the Brainstem. And it is a series of vignettes about early motherhood. So it's about the being in the trenches of early motherhood and um, parenting my first daughter. I never think about it because it's not like I had a lot of sales from it, anything. I wrote it years ago. It really is more of a, a vignette type of book than anything else. But that would be a yes. Yeah, I do. It sounds awesome. And then I've always planned to write a second one about my second daughter. That's more um, Lord of the Flies type (laughs) of. It's about more than like eight to 11 years old where they all refuse to to, um, give up their dirty jackets. They'll wear them for like years. (laughs) But that one has not been written. Okay. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yes. How about you? Do you have a book yourself? I don't. I don't. It's been on my bucket list for many, many years. I I love to read um, and I love books. Books are, are like precious to me, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's that, that perfectionism thing. Like I don't mm. want to do it unless I know I can do it perfectly. And I know better deep down. I know better, but that's, I think that's what's holding me back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Isabella Yende, who's a very famous author and who I, I love, she used to teach a class at a community college on writing. And she told her class, let's just write like the worst book that you can. Like, we're going to start there. So I always think of that. Yes, <laughs> I love that. And then there's editors. I so love even that. that. That first one I wrote, I was in a writing group at the time. So we would meet weekly and really help each other with our writing and edit. So there's always editors. You can always tell yourself to step out of perfectionism. Yes. I love that. That's good. I needed to hear that. Yes. Yes. So we are coming to the end of our time here. Can you please tell people how to find your wonderful website and how to join the group if they would like and all the wonderful things you want to share with them? Yes. So the best way to connect with me is through trancypants.com. And that's T-R-A-N-C-Y. I spent some time last night setting up my landing page to give away people's favorite audio. So my my favorite hypnosis audio of of other people and of myself that I've ever made is called The Answer Room. And it Mm. guides people through uh, an exercise that helps them tap into internal answers and even tap into Mm. answers that are out in the universe or something that they've been struggling with. And so I'm giving that away on my website and that will put you in my email list, which will tell you when workshops at work opens next. It's actually not open right now. We are on week nine out of 10 um, and Mm -hmm. I'm going through it with an entire group of people. We always go through together. 
Um, mm-hmm. So it's not open right now, but I will let people know when it is open. Okay, great. So that's the the program about doing a workshop yes. for your weekly group. Can someone join at any time? Yes, they can join at any time. And that's called Trancy Tuesdays. And the best way to get there again is just to go to my website, trancypants.com. And you'll see a link up at the top that says group hypnosis. And mm-hmm. you can click that and join Trancy Pants that way. Okay, great. So that will be in the show notes for everybody. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your experience and all of your offerings and for all the good work you do in the world. Thank you so much, Liz. It's been an absolute pleasure. truly enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace. This podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.